you know, hey, you know anyone that wants to buy 8,000 acres in New Mexico, in Roy, New Mexico? It's all, uh, it's actually all cattle uh, ranching land. It's right really? next to all the boulders. What's got you interested? Oh, the boulders? It's like literally right next to all the boulders. Just 8,000. Is that a small amount? It's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Do they take check? Probably. (laughs) Actually, I was uh, throwing out the idea to my girlfriend of uh, just getting some sort of lawyer to help us, like, cut out a small piece that's right next to the lawyer or right next to the uh, boulders. Yeah. So that we could, like, just buy that. We don't need 8,000 acres with a whole ranch on it. Well, I'll, I'll buy it. And then I'll cut you off a couple. Perfect. Acres. Yeah, just leave well, me a little square. I think I could square. spare. <laughs> <laughs> this is your world, man. I'm just living it. Just save me a little piece. Oh man. Well, Justin, it's good to have you here, and um, thank you for taking the time. You want to just tell the people kind of what you're about, real quick? Yeah, man. Well, I'm stoked to be here. I'm wearing a cardigan on the Cardigan Cowboy Show. I'm really psyched. That's right. I had that just for you. And just so you know, my favorite, well, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Big Lebowski, and that's the exact. Uh, pattern or, or cardigan that he was wearing Perfect. in the movie. So uh, that's a special one to me. I'm stoked, man. I'm honored. The to best be. for the best. I'm honored. Yeah. Uh, so I guess a lot of you guys, a lot of the people that would be watching this show wouldn't really know too much about uh, or me or just kind of the world that I'm in. So I'm a professional rock climber. Uh, I've been climbing for a little over five and a half years now, coming up on six. Um I compete on the uh, U.S. national team, and I'm uh, visually impaired, or almost completely blind, in fact. Like 90%? Yeah. Uh, So my vision is, (coughs) excuse me, my vision is pretty interesting in the way that it presents itself, so it's actually not diagnosed. Um, We've done DNA tests, and I've had my blood sent to the National Eye Institute. It's all come back negative, which I didn't think was possible if you, like, get blood drawn and get get it sent off, came back negative, which I guess means that they haven't mapped the genome uh, for whatever um, I've got going on. Uh, so essentially, they don't know what's going on. So they gave me a temporary diagnosis of an optic neuropathy of unknown origin. <laughs> it's just more fun MD lingo for we don't know what's going on. Um, but, you know, there's I had a uh, surgery when I was 12, um, from a, uh, a MRSA infection in my hip joint, and it damn near killed me. And I was on a vancomycin IV drip, which is a really strong antibiotic. It was like one of the two that could take out MRSA at the time. And um, so I was on that through a PICC line, which is like a super IV that runs up into your chest, like direct deposit. And uh, I was on that for six weeks. And w- there's potential that that could have had something to do with my vision loss, but there's not really much way of knowing um, if that antibiotic could cause optic neurosis. Um, so, just to make this clear, I didn't realize you had a uh, you had clear vision at one time in your life. Yeah, yeah. So when I was 14 is when it all kind of started happening. Oh my god! Yeah, it was an interesting time, <laughs> dude. Like you're right in the middle of. Um, I'm just now kind of processing what all you would lose. I mean, if you love video games, if you love cars, if yeah. you love, uh, I'm guessing you look, I feel like rock climber skateboard. Like was that something yeah. you're into BMX? Yeah, yeah exactly. I nailed it. <laughs> uh, um, you kind of had to let go of them things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. 
Um, so when I was 14, somewhere between 14 and 15, my vision started getting worse, and I didn't really know why. It didn't even really, it didn't cross my mind, actually. In fact, my buddy Jacob and I were on a bike ride, and there's a big snow furniture sign near my house, and we would ride by it every day. And one day I um, was following him, and I couldn't really see where he was going, but it wasn't really bother me, bothering me. I just thought, like, maybe it's a bad client, bad eye day or something like that. I don't you know, as a little kid, you don't, mm-hmm. a lot of the times things just don't like cross your mind. And I remember looking up at the sign and being like, oh, I can't see the sign anymore. And Jacob was like, you know, what the hell are you talking about? It's huge. But that was like the first inclinator to me to, to think like, oh, something's happening. Wow. <clears throat> I don't even know how to process that. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah, it was, yeah, definitely, you know, as you can imagine being 14 and then dealing with something like this, you had just... It, when I was third, or I think I had my thirteenth birthday in the hospital from that MRSA infection, and I, um, I remember thinking like, surgery is only for sick people. I'll come to find, you know, when you're four, you know, when you're that age, it's not really something you uh, you ever plan for having a, you know, uh, having a um, a surgery that will save your life. If you, you know, if you don't have the surgery, you could potentially die. So, you know. I, Immediately, I was kind of uh, thrown into the lion's den with like a hard life. And then a year or two later, I lost my vision after that surgery. So, um, yeah, my parents had just bought us a car, me and my brother. to I was going to start learning how to drive, and he was getting his license at the time. And uh, little Honda, I was really psyched on it, but that never ended up happening, so I've never been able to drive. Um, I used to uh, play a lot of, like you were saying, video games. I was like playing Halo 2 competitively. And I uh, had to let that one go, too. Um, and one of the hardest things for me to give up was actually what you were talking about was BMX. Um, I was riding BMX all the time. And uh, the day that I lost or like had the diagnosis of losing my vision, like actually given to me, I remember thinking like, oh, I guess life's over, so more or less. And uh, I hung my bike up like a year later. Uh, my dad actually asked me if I was willing to give my bike away because someone saw it in my garage and was like, hey, you know, is that thing ever being used? And I was like, no, he, they can have it. You know, like, I'm not going to use it anymore. So I spent like two years of my life basically doing nothing, like trying to figure out what the next step was. Wow. Well, what's interesting is you're the second person now to be on the show that absolutely had their dreams ripped out of their whole whole life um my father had uh, uh which was the first episode of the show but his his dreams of being a, a professional bull rider and he was on the way just as like you were probably on the way with bmx and gaming and all that i mean he was really top notch he had brain surgery at 15 years old oh, wow. and it didn't he lost the right side um to he couldn't use the right side of his body he had to rehabilitate himself and then oh, also wow. like Lack of better terms, he says they took out some major parts while working on his brain. So, like, he oh, couldn't no. ever, uh, he couldn't, like, if he ever had a head inj- injury, it would be a done deal for okay. him. So, um, but him joking about taking something out is kind of just his humor, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't actually, they, I don't think they so. didn't actually take anything out. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. But, um, I think not only him, but you two are just such a great example of, um, getting through some life changing stuff and, and even losing a dream like that doesn't, doesn't mean you have to lose your life and, yeah, and exactly. uh, you've moved on. And so then here comes rock climbing. 
How yeah. did that happen? <laughs> how old are you? 27. 27. You say you've been doing it five, five, six years. So yeah. found it when you were 20, 21? Yeah, roundabouts. Okay. I, I kind of, I started getting a full sleeve tattoo and that was kind of the time frame in which I started. So I kind of used that as the check mark. It was February, 2015. I think it was when it was, was yeah. like the day that I really started uh, pursuing it hardcore. Um, I had actually been to the climbing gym probably four or five years prior to the day that I bought a membership at that gym and I continued going. Uh, but at the time we didn't have a whole lot of money and I was kind of unsure, like is climbing something that I really thought I could enjoy. Um, but at the time the climbing gym was only doing a yearly membership and I didn't have the money nor did my family to pay that whole like down payment. So I would kind of just let climbing go by the wayside but before I tried it, at that point, my buddy Nick, uh, Nick Daffron, he spent a, a lot of time at the climbing gym. He fell in love with it, just like anyone who tries climbing for the first time. It's just like there's this fire that gets sparked inside of you, and it's just like you get just so obsessed. It's unlike anything I've experienced. Um, but, yeah, he always uh, – he grew up with me and always told me, you should try climbing, you should try, try climbing – you don't need to be able to see to climb. And I kind of thought like, bullshit, dude. C- can we swear on the show? I didn't even ask. Oh, <laughs> you can you can rip the F-bombs if you need to. It's explicit. Word up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I kind of told him like, you know, climbing sounds awesome, but I don't, you know, I think you need to be able to see. And he was like, you know, suit yourself. Like, don't come try it then. So I just kept playing soccer and riding BMX uh, or attempting to ride BMX. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I heard, by the way, through the grapevine that you're still – damn good at bmx for for being visually impaired like well that's good. i'm glad that reputation proceeds yeah there. yeah <laughs> uh yeah bmx was really awesome in fact it was the thing that kind of prepared me for climbing i would say um because you know in skateboarding and bmx you just eat shit all the time like that's just <laughs> a part of it just like bull riding you know you get bucked off you got to get back on and try it again even if you just got crushed um so uh, you know, like I mentioned, I gave my bike away and the guy that I, uh, he was just, he lived just down the street from me, Bo Johnson. Um, he was like the dude, like the guy I grew up with, like my best friend. And, um, he was the first person to get into BMX. He moved away around the time I lost my vision. Um, and then I went through all this and one day I was in the front yard and I heard a bike coming down the street I was like, that sounds like a BMX bike. I can kind of tell off the sound of the cassette or the back wheel. And um, I hear like, yo, yo. And I was like, that's a strange voice. I've never heard that before. And I was like, hello. And they're like, it's Bo. And I was like, whoa. Like, you don't sound anything like what I remember. And um, he uh, he said, yeah, dude. Like, it's been a while. What's up? And we just I hit puberty. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's... (laughs) Yeah, we were young back then, and you know, I the last time I had seen him was before puberty. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had no idea, and um, we just got to talking about life. Uh, he was like, "I heard you lost your vision. Like, tell me what's going on." I like told him my whole story up to that point, and he, uh, I just remember like catching him look at me out of the corner of my eye, and he was like, "You want to go ride?" I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> Like, I just told you I went, I lost my vision, bro. Like, oh, how am I going to get on a bike and go make this happen? He was like, well, you know, you can hear my bike and like, I'll tell you where things are. And it sounds like you have like enough to get around. 
And um, I was like, yeah, but I can't see what's in front of me. Like, that doesn't make, you know, I don't want to die. And he was like, oh, I won't get, you know, you won't, you'll be fine. You know, just try it. And uh, yeah, th- that night he went and got a bike and we just rode around Tulsa. It was like the first time in two or three years. I was like independently out on my own riding my bike with my buddy Bo that I'm now reacquainted with that, dude, it, like that night changed my life. How cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like. Well, it kind of it kind of sparked that desire for like you know working hard again and uh, kind of developing the grit to you know continue living life again. That's cool. Well, that's uh, an ode to good friends. Yeah, man. Uh, if it wasn't for Bo, you know, I don't know. If it wasn't for BMX, I don't I, I don't know if I would have had the motivation to try climbing. But uh, you know, we just got into the thick of it, bro. You know. <laughs> Uh, I remember running into the back of a parked car one time. I was like going full speed down this hill and there was a car on my left side and I like couldn't get out of the way, but I couldn't see what was in front of me. And of course I don't have brakes on my bike because we're trying to do bar spins and things where you don't want the cables to get all crossed up. But of course it doesn't make stopping easy. And <laughs> if you have bad vision on top of not having brakes in your bike, you're kind of fucked if you like <laughs> need to stop in a hurry. Uh, so yeah, I collided with the back of this parked car and like put a huge dent in it and like got really bad whiplash. I just remember like being all cloudy and waking up. I mean, I didn't get knocked out, but I was like in a daze. A little loopy. I was just laying on the ground. I heard some woman running, yelling across the street, are you okay? Like, I think so. <laughs> so hopefully uh, whoever, if you got a dent in the back of your car, you got it the random middle of the night, then that was probably me. That's, Apologies. yeah. <laughs> in fact, I've had one of those in my truck. I know I, I, I know I wrecked a BMX rider's night oh, because no. I was parked at a movie theater and I'd backed up into the parking spot where there's a car behind me, right? But I had my hitch, like the where I pull trailers, oh, like my yeah. trailer hitch still, still yeah. in the back, like, the, like ball, the ball head, the ball pin still back there. Yeah. And I could, t- I got to my truck, and I was like the last one out, so all the vehicles had left. It's just my truck out there still, and I was walking up, and I could see this scrape down my oh, tailgate, man. and then I got to looking at it, and there was a, like a rubber mark on the ball. So, like, I put together that while everybody was parked out there, some BMX dude was flying in between all the cars and hit my ball, and it just scraped my tailgate. But I guarantee you um, I got out better than he did because he probably – Yeah, dude, he probably wrecked hard. I wish I could see that on video. Oh, man, yeah, those ball heads are dangerous, man. Like catching a shin or something like that. Oh, day wrecker, bro. Yeah, you're done. You just, like (laughs) – especially if there's company around you and you can't, like – let it all out right in the moment. Inside, you're just like keeping it all in, like, oh, yep, pretty painful. Yeah. Well, man, let's drink to that. So, yeah. right in front of us here, I have there's a whiskey company. They reached out to me and they're called Oak and Eden. And they sent me three of their bottles, different kinds. And they told me actually what actually which ones to start with. And that is their, I believe it's like their French oak or something that's it's wheat and Sounds exquisite. Spear, wheat and spear, I think. Spire. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I probably need to do more research when people send me their stuff. But I like whiskey. You like whiskey. I like whiskey. I thought we'd try all three throughout the, to me. the evening. If um yeah, if you don't like it, we'll just edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta keep it raw. Yeah, we gotta keep it. <laughs> <cardigan cowboy laughs> That's right. So um 
Yeah, grab that one right there by you. That's the first one. Well, cheers, brother. Hey, cheers. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Thanks this is the wheat. The, the wheat? Uh, yeah, the wheat. The wheat. Yeah, I'm going to try and uh, Act sophisticated. Make, it, make it seem like I'm a sophisticated Like you man. know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Spin it. Pinky, pinky's out, right? Smell it. That's whiskey for sure. Yeah, in fact, uh, your cousin Cody was one of the guys that got me mo- into whiskey more. I like that. Yeah, he's a big rye whiskey drinker. Yeah. I mean, I like rye whiskey. I, I think yeah. I'm more of a uh, – I like scotch a lot. I, I love these uh, – these are southern whiskeys, right? Yeah, this is out of Texas. Okay, cool. Yeah, I love the southern whiskeys. That like the smooth, mm-hmm. easy-to-drink whiskeys. Mm, that's good. And I'm not just saying that because I got – sent free bottles <laughs> yeah absolutely it just it's really good <laughs> it is it is quite good like i don't i don't drink a ton like as a climber you know i save it for special occasions and so like it's cool having a really nice whis- whiskey in a cool environment like this you've really set it set the place up pretty nice here yeah is this Thank a screen you. screen back here or is it like is a, a fireplace? fireplace it's a real fireplace <laughs> it's not real it's a just just a fake fireplace well, I, feel, I feel the heat can you? In my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we got so that that's what we wanted, right? Um, I wanted a podcast where it was just real, raw, authentic. Yeah. So I started thinking, like, well, how do you make people comfortable? Like, where where are the best conversations had? So, I uh, I think one a cardigan is a good start. Cardigan get, is indeed. I yeah, get get cozy. Uh, then I love cigars, but also something interesting about a cigar is you have to hold it right. And oh yeah, I need to. I'm. Tr- I'm can you see it there? This. It's right. Yep. Yep. You got it. That that's me and my dad's favorite type of cigar. By the way, it's delicious. You don't even have to light it. It's tasty. Yeah, it's tasty. That oh, smells like chocolate. Yeah. There you go. You're getting it. It's infused with coffee. Okay, I can smell the coffee yeah. and the chocolate, and it smells like there's some caramel and some yeah. You should taste it. Peppery notes. Yep. Yeah, that coffee really comes out in that. So if you're ever speaking or talking or do, yeah, you can throw that out, just spit it out. Yeah. But if you're ever talking, I learned that if you have something in your hand, it makes it easier. It makes it, it easier. It, it eases. It's a comforting it's a good, feeling. It's a good pointer, too. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You got it. I used to smoke tobacco pipes. I have yeah. uh, a couple of these Peterson tobacco pipes I really like. They're from Ireland. Mm-hmm. But I found myself pointing with them a lot. That's right. I feel like I'm an old soul. That's good. <laughs> yeah, man. So, yeah, if you have a cigar in your hand and you have a drink to kind of loosen you up. That's right. And then you need, and then you need the fire. You got to have the fire. And so I've, I've grew up loving uh fire and candles and things like that and yeah. so um i just wanted to make a good a good spot to have good conversation absolutely so. yeah no this makes me think of how spending time outside and, uh you know sometimes it's well we're out climbing you know and it's climbing of course is the objective but you know just being outside being by the fire you know sharing stories over a fire uh over a fire pit or um you know, even if there's no fire, sometimes you're just sitting out there and like if, you know, for instance, if you're just like in a tent and the place doesn't have or doesn't allow for fires, like just being in the kind of just that type two fun, you know, like it's kind of hard, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's really comforting at the end of the day to have a place to come back to and just like spend time with one another, you know, good I be- vibes. 
I agree. I think it's in our blood. I think it's our ancestors. I think we all gathered around fire. I think fire is necessary to cook our food and be warm. And Absolutely. and so it just, uh, I don't know. I I grew up with always a fireplace in my house. Uh, all my homes that I ever grew up in had a, a wood stove. Um, and sometimes that was our main source of heat. And I could just sit there and watch a fire all night. It's so mesmerizing, huh? It is, yeah. Yeah, it's quite quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, did you spend much time outside when you were younger, like back camping and so on? No, but uh, we rodeoed every weekend. So my parents ran a junior rodeo association, so we camped out. Like, we didn't have the fancy horse trailers and stuff, so, like, we were pitching a tent and doing stuff like that. So I felt like we still roughed it and camped, but yeah. we rarely ever, like, we went out to Talquil River every now and then and camp, like, once a year and do sure. stuff like that, but never, like, the full camping experience and then as i got older i got a fifth wheel so i like to glamp where you That's pull up way. yeah man pull <laughs> up hook up got a nice toilet and shower still yeah. yeah i mean anymore i feel like that's just kind of the way that i don't know like you know for a while there it was fun to kind of we call it living the dirt bag existence like <laughs> you you find yourself like sleeping in a tent for a couple months in the desert because that's all like you're climbing there's nothing else around you but just like sand and rock and so you just climb every single day. You don't shower for two weeks, you know, drive into town to take a shower. But it's nice, man, having a place to get away from the wind and the cold and yeah, just the hardship, you know, having a van or a trailer. That's the, the one thing I think I'm lacking with not being able to drive more than anything is I'll never be able to own a van. I need to, I need to figure out a way to get a van or just build out a trailer and have people haul me around. That's right, dude. I honestly think you're going to be so successful in your life that at some point uh, you're just going to hire a driver. You're just going to have whatever you want, dude. They'll take you wherever. So I think you're on that path for sure. Speaking of, uh, you have a YouTube channel that I pretty much just fanboyed over today. I appreciate that. Yeah, I loved it. And I invite everybody that's listening to go check you out on YouTube. The stuff that you're doing is crazy. Not to even, like, take the whole can't see part out of it. Like, even if you're just a normal human being with regular eyesight, the stuff you're doing is crazy. <laughs> and um, there was a, um, you'll have to remind me what the, the, the show is called, but episode two I watched yeah. Um, today. Yeah, so I just started calling that series Life Through Broken Eyes. Okay, Life Through Broken Eyes. I watched episode two, and you started out by telling, like, talking very, very vulnerably about, like, this, this really hard boulder and that, it was really messing with your head that it was a visual aspect. You really needed to visually see this handhold. Right. And it was really like getting to you that like it was your, your handicap pretty much that was holding you back from finishing it. And then the episode proceeded to watch you just absolutely biff it for like (laughs) over and over. I mean, one point you like flat back. Uh, I think you missed the pad. Yeah. Uh, You roll around a little bit. One other time you fall off and you just like give it the Tarzan yell, you know, like you can just tell at one point you're, you're, um, you're very, you even say you're just super tired. Yeah. One thing though, that I found amazing one, it, it did choke me up whenever you finished it. I thought it was amazing to see the the hours. Yes, man. It was so (laughs) moving that like you worked your ass off. You didn't let it conquer you. But I think, I wonder if anybody else catches this about that and I wonder if you even notice that it's odd we watch through this episode you try and try and try again and sit there and recoup and I mean you 
you put in how many hours, by the way? You came oh, into man. So many. So many. Okay. Days. Like uh, probably a grand total of, uh, you know, 20 days plus spent on that one climb and a day being like four or five hours of your time invested solely focused on that one project. So the one thing that I took away from it, though, that just absolutely amazed me was you go through all that, you hit hard, you fall, then you accomplish it, and you do a one-arm chin-up on the ledge of this son of a bitch. Like, seriously, like, you're on the edge. Uh, I don't know. Where you ended was kind of like a, yeah. a hang. It's like you're hanging off the side. Right. And you're, like, yelling with excitement. And then you let go with one arm and you chin up with, like, your left arm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that climb uh, <laughs> above it, it's, like, another 40 feet of wall. So if yeah. you wanted to top or, or summit that wall you would have to climb that roof and then go up. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a rope with you, you're what they call it soloing. So essentially no fall zone. You're not allowed to fall. You'll go up and you'll summit at like 40 or 50 feet, which isn't like unreasonable. I've done it before on boulders, but in this situation, that boulder is kind of known as what's called a drop off. So that's the finish hold. Like there's a start point and an end point. That's like the designated mm -hmm. kind of route the boulder takes. Um, and I had been working on this thing for so long. It was like a... Um, we call it like a dead point move. It's like a, a move where it's not a full on like commitment jump. We call those dinos, like where you, ha where your feet come off and you're like full on jumping and catching a hold your feet kind of you know, hold this big swing. And um, there's the, a particular move where this is kind of a mix between a dino or a dynamic move and a dead point, dead point being like a stab to a hold. And it's like, if you don't hit that right, you're falling because you're kind of in space, you know. Um, but that move wasn't, it just was such a bitch. Like I could do it consistently sometimes, but because I couldn't see it well enough out of my peripheral vision, I couldn't eye it up. It was solely like 100% like mental based. Like if I can remember how to do the move well, then that's awesome. But at the same time, it was a really physical thing because I had to like really tighten up my body to be able to get into that space to hit that muscle memory perfect. So I ended up trying this beta with a, well, we call it a drop knee where I like imagine a wall is facing um, away from you. Your right foot needs to be on that foothold facing away from you but you can't really put it on, you know, with the the way that your leg works. So you have to, like, turn your knee down and put your foot on backwards, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, um, but crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's just kind of, it's almost like contorting your body into a space that I never really thought was possible. Um, and uh, come to find out, I tried it a couple times and it worked. And it gave me enough energy, uh, like I climbed the the time I did the boulder, I climbed it so perfectly that when I got to the end, I had enough time to do a one-arm pull-up. I was just, like, elated, bro. <laughs> oh, I couldn't believe it. it so much effort and, like, so much turmoil. I, like, bled all over that climb. I, like, cut my fingers on the holds and, like, just squirt blood everywhere and, you know, landing on boulders and, you know, all the what-ifs and could, you know, oh, what if I send it to Dave and it doesn't end up happening? It kind of feels like you're rolling the dice sometimes. Dude, I would have been impressed if your YouTube video was, all it was, was you walking up and go, I'm going to do a one-arm chin-up right there, and then you jump <laughs> up there and do a fucking one-arm chin-up. I would have been like, that's cool, man. All right, rock on. Like, yeah. the fact that you absolutely tore your whole body apart to complete that, 
and then was so excited after being wore out and tired. You did a one-arm chin-up. I don't know. <laughs> this is cool. Yeah. Made me even more of a fan. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, spend a lot of time training and preparing. Most of it has been for competition of the past couple of years, but you know, being outside is where my heart is like the most fulfilled. So, uh, the more time I can spend on real rock, the better, the more I feel like I'm myself. Cool. So that climb was interesting because, you know, when I like going back to when I first got into climbing, like one of the big things was I didn't think that I, I could do it for there for a moment. You know, it's like, seems like a life or death thing. I would like to be able to see what I'm doing to get into it, but or at least see where you're falling. Yeah. That's the tough. I mean, that's what I couldn't imagine, man. Yeah. Like being, you know, like being able to look at the ground and be ready for that impact is really valuable. And like <laughs> most things, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, even with falling, you know, you just like, if you come off, just like go limp or at least I've like developed this way of falling and like knock on wood, I haven't gotten hurt horribly bad from falling yet. But like, um, you just kind of like go limp and then your body like just kind of does what it needs to do. And, you know, you trust your spotters and trust the plaid pad placement and so on. Mm. But, uh, when my buddy Nick first started like coaching me up the wall or guiding me is what we kind of termed or deemed it like being a sight guide. Whenever you're, you have a visually impaired or blind climber and the whole goal for the sight guide is to describe to them what they're climbing and tell them exactly how to get to each hold with their hands or feet. Um, and so Nick was kind of the first person to start doing this for me. And I kind of realized that, oh, with the help of a guide, I can kind of climb like anybody else, but a little bit slower. And uh, that climb kneeling before power we were just talking about was like the complete opposite of that. <laughs> There's like no, no, like even if someone were to like tell me exactly where this hold was, you know, it would wasn't that much help. I think I could have done it. I think I could have been like, it's way out there. <laughs> <laughs> if it's so far, bro. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that. It's like, oh, it's so impossible. It looked like it, man. Like, I was like, holy smokes. After I figured out what you were trying to go for, it's like, dude. Yeah. Cool. You're doing stuff that that human beings with full capability um, couldn't do. And you're doing it with um, without vision. It's, it's amazing. Well, it's absolutely you. amazing. How, how do you like the whiskey? It's amazing. Is that I'm, one good? I'm enjoying it. I'm trying not to drink it too fast. I've got like just a little tiny bit here left. But I, I tell you what, two more bottles to go through. Yeah, right yeah. Here. I tell you what, set that one down. You take oh. a little sip. Well, we've got. We'll set this one down and let yeah. it air out if that's the case. Yeah, that's the case. And we'll grab the next one and we'll just kind of give it a little shot here. Now, this is the traditional bourbon. Traditional bourbon. By the way, these bottles are really cool. They put like a a spear of of wood in it. And I think it flavors it or cures it or I got to do more research. But if it's anything like the first one we had, it's delicious. So I'll give you this next glass. Oh, thank you. A little piece of wood in there. It sounds like they're trying to branch out, right? <laughs> right. Sorry, most people that know me, I know that I've got dad jokes for days. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to branch out. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love dad jokes. Well, that's good to hear. I've got plenty of them. Do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well. Mostly puns, though. <laughs> all right well cheers here's Which one to is this? Uh, the traditional bourbon it's bourbon yeah Ooh, that's my favorite toasted oak thank you oak and eden wow that's smooth yeah that's really nice okay i like it damn i could have swore i was going to be just 
Like that one was really the first one was so good that I feared that was the right. winner, but this that's is a tough so, one. It's nice and sweet. I, I think the thing yeah. that I wasn't ready for was how sweet it is. Yeah, it doesn't have the same sort of like overpowering alcohol hit that you would expect. It comes on strong and just stays kind of sweet. I like sweet, so I, I'm digging it. Yeah, I'm into this. I can see having a little flask of this off in the Boulder Field sometime. Yeah. Getting the shit kicked out of you. <laughs> have a drink here and there. I've often compared bouldering to bull riding. Okay, so let's just segue right into that. <laughs> um, one, you have told me and my cousin Cody that you would get on a bull. Oh, yeah. If it was presented to it you. presented to me. Yeah. I'm a big fan of J.B. Mooney. And no Dan way, J.B. J.B. Mooney, man. I got like on a kick one day. I like, I think it was Cody was telling me about his uh, his neighbor Garrett Tribble. I think is his mm-hmm. name. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, he's made it to the NFR. Oh, okay, nice one. Yeah, yeah, he, he's made it to the top for sure. That's cool. Yeah, I googled his name one day and I uh, found this guy named JB Mooney, who come to find out is one of the greatest that's ever lived. Yeah, still is. Still is. He's amazing. Have you ever watched his documentary? I did. Yeah. Have you ever tried balancing on the ball like he did? Did you notice that? Did you see that part? I did. I've done something kind of like that, but it wasn't actually a ball. That looks. He was in cowboy boots too. Yeah, I cowboy boots up insane. on a basketball, man. That seems like that's next level for sure. Yeah, we have these little things that are like platforms with balls that mm-hmm. you kind of balance on. I've seen that. Yeah, it's nothing like that. Like what <laughs> he's doing is like next level. Yeah, dude. Uh, but yeah, I uh, went down a little rabbit hole of watching JB Mooney and Dale Brisby videos. And uh, I thought Old Son was so funny. And, um, yeah, I just kind of got the idea in my head. Like, I've lived in Oklahoma my whole life. Like, I've often compared, uh, you know, climbing these hard boulders to, like, squaring up with a big, like, raging bull. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be awesome to get a comparison in my mind of what it's like to sit on top of, a like, a proper rank bull that just wants to get you off of of him as, like, fast as possible. And it's kind of you know, see what the difference is or see what that experience is like. Not only wants to get you off of him, but would love to have you keister a horn. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He just, he wants to ruin your day. He does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How cool. Like one, we love JB Mooney and Dale Brisby. Shout out to Dale Brisby. Shout He's, out to Dale Brisby. Dude, the guy is, is brilliant. Like the rodeo community needed exactly what he's getting. And you talked about it earlier whenever we were just discussing over dinner that he is so well embedded into the rodeo community is like, he's very authentic. It's very real. And then he's added this comical spin to everything that, um, man, it's just, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. No, I think what I appreciated the most or what I appreciate the most about what they're doing is it's the way that him and JB play off of each other, I think is quite genius. Cause JB is kind of like I am. He's like, I mean, I don't, I don't know the gentleman, of course, but he seems to be a pretty reserved individual, kind of really chill. And then they pull her opposite of, so I identify with JB, but then there's this other character uh, who happens to be just as knowledgeable about, uh, you know, ranch life and being a cowboy that, you know, just as much as anybody else, but he's got this amazing personality and a great uh, he verbalizes everything quite well and is good at articulating exactly kind of what the moment calls for. And so it's easy for me to kind of get immersed in it because I'm less about the visual and more about the audio and the story that the person's telling. And so having someone that's like so effervescent, you know, just like so wild uh, that it's a lot of fun. It's really entertaining. 
what I love is um, Del Brisby is bringing people like you to see the rodeo community, see the Southern culture. And I just love that because rodeo culture, the cowboy culture, it's all real tight knit. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard for outsiders to understand or want to even be pulled to it, to understand it. And that's kind of what this podcast I hope does too, is we are called the cardigan cowboy, mainly because the cardigan, the cowboy are very different in a way. And it's, it's meant to like embody the cowboy spirit and, bring people to understand this culture mm-hmm. if you will and yeah no i really like what you're doing with the the vision it yeah it seems Thanks. to kind of give uh that rodeo life a little bit more of a accessible entrance into the world um, yeah as a kind of like what you're saying with having someone that kind of uh that kind of transcend the the scene almost, and then they're able to bring new people into it because other people are interested in them outside of what they do, but then they get kind of pulled into the rodeo world. Yep. So Dale Brisby, JB Mooney, keep doing your thing, man. Yeah. We love it. And I don't know, I'm going to cut this little clip out and we'll send it their way. <laughs> and maybe we For could sure. get a deal where we could get you on a bull. I'm sure Dale would have a, uh, a rank son of a bitch <laughs> that would just well, Dell, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I think that's what he said. Dell, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it'd be fun. I don't know how many blind guys get on bulls, these days, <laughs> but the, I think that'd be a lot of fun. I've been like the first visually impaired, whatever, a uh, couple times now for like these certain boulder ascents or whatever. Mm-hmm. It'd be fun to be the first blind person to cover uh, a bull. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I'm trying. I'm blanking on all the little quips they have, but uh, it would be a lot of fun to. Yeah. Get on a bull. Well, that's cool. I think, uh, in fact, um, oh, man, there was a, a gentleman. I'm blanking on the name so hard, but um, this I'll th- probably think of the name somewhere later on in the show. But uh, there's a, there's only three real sports in the world. Uh, maybe Mark Twain said this. I, c- I could be butchering this, so don't quote me on this. <laughs> Jamie. Uh, Fire up that video. Oh, yeah, where's our Jamie? Yeah, we don't have a Jamie. Yeah. Damn it, man. One day. One day. We'll be there. One day we'll be there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure this gentleman, he said um, there's only three real sports in the world, race car driving, bull riding, and mountain climbing. I think he had he had some, some wise words there. Dude, somebody really said that? Oh, yeah. I really do wish we had a Jamie right now. Yeah, we need to look up that quote. Does anybody out there want to be our Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're taking applications. We're taking applications. <laughs> um, do you, uh, we'll pay you in bourbon. And that's if and Oak cigars. and Eden, Oak and Eden still keep sending us bottles. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Oak and Eden. Sure, shout out to Oak and Eden. Um, yeah, man. Okay, so through your rock climbing, one thing that's also great and I can relate to is you've got to travel. You've got to travel. So much. So much. Uh, can what what's your favorite place on earth right now? Oh, that's a great question. That's a hard question. It is because you travel a lot too. I yeah, bet you've been thinking about this quite often. I have one city in my head that I had such a wonderful time that I didn't want to leave, and that's how I judge. That's how I judge a place is like how quickly yeah um, I'm ready to go to the next thing. Have um, you been back to that place? No, I haven't. Do you I, think that I kind place, of don't want to. I was going to say, <laughs> do you think that that moment is forever encapsulated in that memory? And if you went back, it would be a different vibe. Man, I'm going to be real honest with you. It's not even across the seas. It's right here in the U.S. I was in San Diego. and oh, I love San Diego. Uh, the people were chill. And I'm going to be real honest with you. 
to me in my mind, the hottest girl in the room picked me out and we hung out for three days with her friends and we had an absolute amazing, fun, just absolute amazing time. Like where it was the first time in my life that I was leaving somewhere, which by the way, like I am the type I've gotten used to leaving. Mm -hmm. Like I I like the leaving part a lot. So uh, it was the first time that I'd ever left somewhere and I didn't want it to end because like I knew with this girl, like it wasn't, it wasn't good. Like she had her life. Yeah. I had my, we just happened to cross paths. It was like the perfect time. It, it was. And we had such a good time. Also, there's a guy out there that was like my best friend. I met him one night and he was so much fun. He was from Sweden. He looked like a gosh dang Lannister <laughs> or uh, like Khaleesi's brother. He had white, long hair. Oh, His cool. name was Lasse. Lasse. And me and him were the be- best of friends, drinking buddies. I've never seen him in my life again. But he he's like scorched in my brain because I had like this beautiful woman. I had a my best friend that I just met. And <laughs> we ran, I think it's called like Gas Lamp District or Gas Light. Gas, anyway, okay, we yeah. ran it around and it was just cool. Also, the next morning I had the best pancakes I've ever had in my life out there. Somewhere pancakes. out, yeah, somewhere outside of. Sea. I don't love pancakes, dude. I love pancakes. Do yeah. you eat peanut butter on your pancakes? Oh yeah, you got to. That's the way to go, isn't it? Pan- peanut butter on your pancakes, you're sleeping on it, bro. Dude, like for real. You ain't no cowboy. You ain't no cowboy <laughs> if you don't eat peanut butter on your. Yeah. Gosh so. Darn. Yeah. Anyway. Enough <laughs> about me. What about you? In yeah. your child, is there been a special oh, place? Uh, so there's this place just south of Paris, France, called Fontainebleau. Uh, Fontainebleau is one of the first, like, meccas for bouldering. Uh, it was one of the first places that bouldering kind of became uh, more mainstream and modern and where, like, grades came from and um, kind of the style in which, like, the style in climbing is everything. That's kind of like, you know, there's all always, like, little bits of meta information about, um, you know, each g- uh, niche genre of, you know, like for rodeo, for baseball, basketball, for climbing, uh, a lot of this uh, is like in the grades. And there's all these nuances of uh, like what we call flashing or doing on-siding or things like that. So in uh, Fontainebleau, there are these things called circuits. And uh, so there, let's say that there's a blue circuit and a black circuit and a white circuit. And so let's say the white circuit is the easy circuit, the blue circuit is the intermediate, and the black is the advanced. And uh, on this circuit, uh, there could be a hundred boulders, just so many. The forest is massive; it expands for miles. It's it's just absurd how much rock and how many boulders are out there. And um, so, the best style to climb these is to try and flash or onsite these. Flash being doing a first try with information. Like if you watch someone climb it right before you climb it, you kind of know how it goes. They call it a flash if you do it first try. On-siding is um, not having any information on the climb. So if you didn't, haven't seen someone climb it, you know where it starts, you know where it ends, but you don't know anything about the in-between, and you do it first try, you've on-sided it. So the goal for these circuits is to try and on-site or flash every single boulder that you come across. And uh, there was this one uh, circuit that we did in, I don't remember the exact, there's all these little sub areas in Fontainebleau. But um, we did this one. It made me think of being in Jurassic Park, man. It was crazy. 
Uh, I remember specifically I was climbing with my buddy Matt, my sight guide in competition, and uh, we were at like boulder number 15 or something, and uh, it was kind of an overhanging climb, and then it like turned into slab or less than vertical, so not like straight up and down, but just slightly uh, something you kind of get to stand on your feet a little bit more. But uh, the boulder just kept going. We were like 50 feet up at this point. And uh, it just seemed like the boulder was never ending. And I remember that moment just like, man, this is amazing. Like if I didn't have to do anything else in life, all I want to do is just like roam this forest and look for these boulders and climb on the best stone in the world. And uh, Fontainebleau just, it kind of turned out to be um, a special place for us because it was the first time we had spent like the longest amount, like we spent a month there. So it was like, we got to live like a local. We got to see what it was like to uh, just do the normal day-to-day routine of living in France as well as experiencing these boulders. We've always wanted to see if it's like pretty world-renowned. So the boulders and a lot of the projects are um, really well-known. And, uh, yeah, just the culture and the food. And I love listening to French accents. And, I'm, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Couldn't awesome. say enough good things about it. Well, so – What's next? You, do you have a lineup of things that will be coming your way? That's a great, yeah, that's a good question. There's a lot. <laughs> uh, so this month, actually, on the 20th of December, I'm sure if you're listening to this now, I am probably gone uh, on this trip or have come back already, but uh, I'm going to uh, Vegas for around three weeks. Uh, the goal for this is to climb. Um, there's several different projects. Uh, but I'm trying to send the grade of V12, and uh, this is a first for me, but this would also be the first time this grade has been accomplished by a paraclimber in history. Um, so there's there's a little bit of pressure, but more just like excitement. No way. Yeah, I'm really, really stoked. How cool. Will that be videoed? Obviously yeah. it will. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah, so I've been also working on a documentary for the past seven or eight months now. COVID kind of sl- slowed some things down, but... Um, yeah, my team, we've started a, a group called the Salus Media Team. So I've got my own production team now, and uh, I've just got a man, I'm blessed to have the people in my life that I do. Uh, a lot of these uh, these folks are just the absolute best at what they do, but, I don't, you know, it's kind of a passion project for them. So I'm hoping to get to the point where I can pay these, these people because I'm just so fortunate to have them in my life, man. You want to give them a shout-out? Yeah, uh, to the whole team, you know, David Pierce, Lauren Spears, Daniel Pauline, TJ DeBrain, uh, Daniel Loveland. I mean, I couldn't, I wouldn't be where I am right now without those group of people. So it's Team Salas Media all the way. <laughs> well, man, they, I, um, I think that's cool, but I also see um, what they see in you, man. You're making it happen. You're doing things that have never been done before. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm just trying to keep up out there. There's a lot of amazing people doing great things and uh, I'm, I just get so inspired by you know other people going through tough times and you know coming out on the other side that it's just keeps me motivated to keep kind of sharing my story as well with that in mind um do you do you battle with anything like do you ever have any anxiety or, or depression yeah. or anything like that have you ever yeah so it's interesting that we were just talking about traveling and kind of led into this because uh, one of my favorite things about traveling more so than the destination is in fact like just doing it on my own, being away from everyone and being in an uncomfortable situation where you don't know anybody. Um, 
this for me is kind of liberating because it's such an intense uh, bit of independence that um, any sort of depression or anxiety that I struggle with just completely goes away. And then it's just like, a, well, you know, you better figure your shit out or you're not going to be able to get to wherever, wherever it is you're going, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, here, um, here lately I've been struggling with depression quite a bit. It's being a visually impaired climber, um, and kind of promoting paraclimbing right now is, I mean, it's already hard enough being an athlete on the up and coming, uh, like rosters, but yet alone being a paraclimber. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I've always struggled with anxiety and depression, but it's been quite a bear over the past uh, couple months, I would say. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're alone. Uh, I think the COVID has added such a, a spin to everybody. I know I've felt it, mm-hmm. um, and I, I've even thought about seeking help at times, as silly as that sounds or anything, yeah. but sometimes just getting out of bed's tough. No, and I've true. never, ever been that guy. I never have. Which brings me to, I mean, I don't have many regrets in my life, um, and I one thing that I wish I could go back and change on this topic is I dated a girl. Um, uh, yeah. For, I won't say her name, her call her Adi. Um, she was like the car. Yeah. Like the car. Um, she was beautiful and great and a phenomenal person, but she, she really struggled with depression while we were dating Mm -hmm. and I took it very personal. Like I took it like, so you don't like me. Like it's about me. I made it about me. How stupid is that? And then, I made her feel bad about being upset. And, you know, she would just have like these spouts of like just not understanding why she's where she is or, or anxious or depressed and or cry. And, and I handled it so wrong. I handled it like the whole like, well, just get tough, get over it kind of thing. And I look back on that and I wish I could kick my 23-year-old self in the nuts. <laughs> but um, really... Really, all she wanted was to, a hug, be told it's going to be good, that we're okay, yeah. and that, that she's important, and that she's loved, and uh, I really regret how I handled that. Then, fast forward to these last months have been absolutely harsh on me. Like, yeah. I didn't realize what, I didn't realize what depression was, I didn't realize what anxiety was, and um, yeah, it's here. It's real. It's real. It's real, man. Yeah, I mean, I've always dealt with it, but of course, during the pandemic and kind of being isolated from the people that you would normally like, you know, call on. I mean, of course, like Zoom and Discord and uh, uh, what what is it called, FaceTime and all that. Like, that's great, but like, there's something special about being in person with the uh, with the person you're communicating with. There's so much more to like. Like you could be saying something and your body's uh, saying something completely different and that's not going to be interpreted the same way. So it's difficult having those conversations. It's almost like we're all having long distance relationships, you know, <laughs> for sure. So, um, yeah, man, I, do you have any pointers or anything that you do to kind of pull yourself up again and yeah. like get after it? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, one of the biggest things is like having the goal, like having, you know, there's in our, in our journey, I've found that, Um, you know, it's going to be good. It's going to be bad, but without the bad, you don't have the good, you know, without the low points, you're not going to be able to appreciate the high because if it was always good, you're not going to ever know anything different. You're not going to know it was good when it was good. 
Um, so if you don't have those highs, you're not going to ex- be able to experience the the high or excuse me, if you don't have the lows, you're not going to be able to experience those highs. So, you know, I wouldn't say, I mean, just, ex- I'm trying to think of the right word to say here. Cause it's, it's interesting. It's like enjoy it, but of course it's not enjoyable. It's like type two fun, you know? It's one of those, or I guess you could call it type three fun and climbing or being outside. We have these like different uh, genres of fun. Uh, uh, the first type of fun uh, being like the fun that's enjoyable to do and fun to talk about later. Type two fun is um, you're not enjoying it in the time, but you get to talk about it later. Kind of like uh, a cool story later. Type three fun is it's not fun to do now and you'll won't want to do it again. And it's not fun to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, um, so, uh, (laughs) yeah, with just like the, the hard times these days, it's kind of felt more like type two fun because, you know, it's, you know, we're all dealing with the same thing and, um, being able to rely on your community, your like close friends or, you know, your partner, family, um, you know, just like let people know around you that like, it's okay to be fragile right now. Um, I mean, I was just talking with a buddy recently. It's like, um, he felt like he was dragging people down around him cause he was just not fun to be around. And I was like, it's okay to let people know you're fragile. Like, you know, especially if, um, there's a situation where you might say something and you didn't mean it cause you're like not in a good place. Just like let people know oh, I'm hurting right now and they'll lift you up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important. It's so interesting you say that because that's one thing that I've noticed is like, I'm ashamed of it. Like, I'm ashamed to say that, like, I've had a hard time, like getting motivated and getting yeah. out of bed. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's painful. And then I'm ashamed to even talk about it. Cause I feel like I'm trying to like get attention right. in some way. Yeah. And then what you just mentioned of, of, uh, I'll sit around in my house. Right. And I'll be so, I'll be like, man, just feel so lonely. Then somebody will call and they're like, right. Hey man, you want to come over? And I'm like, man, I don't, Yeah, <laughs> I don't, Yeah, but it's such a weird place. Cause it's like, you want, you want attention. Then you don't. And you, yeah. it's a, it's a strange place. And, um, I think it, if I could give a message out to anybody listening to this, that's going through that, um, really push to still go, yeah. still go be with those people whenever you get invited and, and still interact. And then, um, if you're listening and somebody comes up to you and tells you that they're not in the right state of mind, listen. That's all you got to do. Yeah, just, just listen. Be a shoulder for them. Be a shoulder. Like, you don't have to give them advice. Like, that's probably not what they're looking for. Yeah. Because I'm sure they've gone to people and like, what do, What would you do? And they just get, like, talked to for a while. It's no fun to be, like, be on the receiving end of that. Yeah, and looking back at that regret I was telling you about, that's what I was doing is I was trying to solve the problem. Yeah. Like, I was, like, trying to, like, okay, how do we fix this? I didn't ever think that, like, she just wanted to be heard yeah. and then hugged and then told she's loved, you know? Yeah. Uh, so you're so right, man. And whenever you do that, sometimes it's amazing the return you get on that by helping people. So true. The help is for others, but sometimes the healing's for you. Yeah. So. I mean, sometimes, you know, they could be going something horribly wrong or, um, you know, just they might not be in a good spot, but through you listening and, you could surprise yourself. Like sometimes you're not even aware of what you're saying. You're just like saying words to try and help. And then you realize you could say something. You're like, that wasn't me. Like I just like helped myself by helping somebody else. Yep. And that's just a beautiful thing. Um, But yeah, it's interesting that you bring up um, 
just kind of, you know, you're almost feeling like you're whining about it. That's kind of like one of the, one of the things that I have a hard time with kind of with telling my story is I don't want to sound like just another dude who's got another problem. Who's just whining about it on the internet. This is like something I struggle with quite often, which is really interesting because I'm trying to market myself as a visually impaired, like first ascensionist, like this is what's been working and like what people are psyched on. And it's awesome. You know, I love watching somebody going up against uncertain odds and coming out victorious. Like that's awesome. And I like the struggle and the grind aspect of it all. Uh, nonetheless, when I'm kind of marketing, marketing myself to companies for potential sponsorships and things like that, um, I have this weird balance of trying to market myself as a blind climber, but not so much so that it's like a whoring my disability out type of feeling. That's a delicate line to balance. And it's been, um, it's been tough lately because I'm just like dealing with a lot internally and then trying to go out of my way to uh, still make this climbing thing work and, you know, kind of do the market whole marketing thing. And, you know, I just want to climb. Like that's where I get rejuvenated. And, you know, when I'm struggling, I need to climb, but if I'm not enjoying climbing from kind of the professional side of it, it's kind of a, yeah, it's just a hard place to be sometimes. Well, I will tell you this. I have a lot of verbals of people that are willing to come onto the show and sit in the exact chair that you're in. Some being well-known lawyers, some being well-known actors, others being chefs, uh, NBA basketball players. And every time I talk to somebody about my podcast, they always ask me what it's about. And I always tell them, like, we are just about great people, with great stories that have that cowboy spirit of, like, they've been bucked off, they've got back on, how do they do it, where are they going? Right. And every time I mention all those people and include a rock climber that, by the way, he's visually impaired, out of everybody, you've been the one that they are most excited about. I've gotten all kinds of people, actually, that remember me telling them, they're like, man, when are you having that guy on? So, like... You're, you are doing, you're, I think you're, you're, you're riding the line perfectly because um, you don't need to be ashamed or deny the fact that you are visually impaired, mm -hmm. but dude, the proof is in the pudding and watch those YouTube videos. You are a top notch rock climber. It's not like you're a mediocre rock climber <laughs> trying to ride out the sure. fact that you're blind. Like you, if I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way, if you showed anybody that those videos and just left out the whole blind part, mm -hmm. they would be blown away just by what you're doing. Then you add in that you have some, you know, broken eyes and it's like, holy <laughs> shit, dude, this guy's got it going on. Well, thank so you. That yeah. The world. So I think you're doing really good. Uh, never once while hanging out with you, have I ever felt that you've had to feel sorry for me? This is me. In fact, I'm, if you've noticed, I'm the one like, Hey, there's a step there. Watch this, yeah, you know? No, so I appreciate the hell out of that. yeah. So um, I'm always trying to protect you. I can't ever tell exactly what you can see and what you can't, but um, you're doing great. Which also brings me to the first time I ever met you. I got to say, like you came to my house uh, in Bristow. Whenever I lived in Bristow, you came into the shop and my cousin Cody, uh, who give a shout out to him. He's yeah, uh, shout awesome. Out to Cody Hayes, that's the homie right there. The OG. The OG. So he's always told me that he had a professional rock climbing buddy that had um, was visually impaired or blind or whatever. And so um, we had a big get together, and you came, and oh, yeah. you walked in, man. And I actually <laughs> shook your hand. One thing like that I've noticed, I've picked up on that you do. You put your hand out first. Oh yeah. That's the point. 
That's the point. So people go to your hand. Come and, yeah, come and meet me because I will often mess up. Like, yeah, yeah. Social, social cues. But like you walked in, I shook your hand, and then you like you proceeded. To, we had a TV showing a football game going on, I think, and you like sat there and watched TV, and we had a full conversation. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Cody came up and made like a blind joke to you <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, he does that. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like I'm like, hold on, wait. You're the you're blind? And like we had this whole – and I just – I don't know why I was so blown away that – I never even realized that you had any kind of issue. You've trained yourself these little little things that you've done. Like you looked at the TV. You like looked at me when I was talking. I never even noticed. And then it touched me so much that I got absolutely uh, stoned out of my gourd that night. <laughs> and I, I, this is so true. Um, I acted like I was blind as long as I could. That's I awesome. like went to the shower. I closed my eyes and I promised I wouldn't open them. And I, I took a shower and I brushed my teeth. I, I have so much just putting toothpaste on a damn toothbrush, dude, with your eyes closed is it's kind of cruxy, dude. It's, cruxy being like hard. It's so hard. Yeah. So after that, I fell down twice. I had bruises. Oh, like no. yeah, dude. Like, uh, and so it just gave me insight. And then also it just added to, like, it, it made me think like how how do you help people that are or right. have visually impaired? And then how do you make them feel valuable? Which brings us to a job, right. like. What what do we do to get these people work? And, like, is there any work for um, visually impaired people? Like, do, is there a group out there helping those type of people? Yeah. Uh, so, New View, uh, they're based out of Oklahoma City, I think was their original location. But they have a chapter here in Tulsa as well. So, New View is one of the largest... Um, what's the right word, employers of visually impaired and blind people in the United States, potentially the world. I'm not 100% sure on that, though. I'll just say the United States. Uh, so the whole idea for them is to help visually impaired and blind people get underway and um, just be as independent as possible. Sometimes, you know, the reality is it's hard for people with visual disabilities to find work. And uh, so these people help give them opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise have and kind of they'll, they'll train them in whatever crafts they want to learn. Uh, I've been going to them uh, for eye health and um, some occupational therapy things and you know all sorts of different things. They're a really good company. Um, so they do a lot for the low vision community. And uh, actually, I think it was a year or two now ago, uh, we did a summer owl camp with, uh, I think it was like 75 to 100 uh, visually impaired kids came and tried climbing for the first time at a gym in Oklahoma City, and that was a lot of fun. How <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, we had uh, just blind kids running everywhere. Uh, had a bunch of people helping them uh, tie in and get up the walls, and I did a little presentation for them and just kind of uh, coached a couple of them. And, um, yeah, just tried to be as present as I could with these kids that are experiencing climbing for the first time. How cool. So uh, I think we've discussed it, but this show, like if it ever does produce a profit, which it's not right now, but if it ever does, we want to take half of it and give it away. Uh, but like, we don't choose where it goes. We always, we're going to let the guest and I am going to work a deal out. You know, if it ever does produce a profit, we're going to go back to the previous episodes and give, but like, would that be uh, an organization that you would want to give to if oh, you could? Yeah. Absolutely. They do amazing things for uh, the visually impaired community. And so I think it would be awesome to have uh, some funds go to them. So big shout out to new view. Yeah, that's great. And then also, um, do you know the people there or the uh, any leaders there at New View? We'd yeah. love to have them on the show. If yeah, they have. that would be awesome. Um, yeah, it'd be really interesting to get 
uh, some of the, I think my doctor, Dr. Bradley, I think that would be an interesting person to talk to. Cause okay. she, she deals with a lot of, uh, all sorts of different vision losses. Yeah. I let's link I up. I didn't really know her story at all. She's just one of the doctors there. My doctor there. <laughs> cool. Yeah, man, we would love to help out. And, and, um, I don't know. I've just been very touched by your life and like your, your path that you're on. And, um, I have never been around anybody that was visually impaired. And so you're kind of my first, um, person to be yeah. around. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> and, and, I don't know. It's just like one of those things that you, you realize, um, that it's, it's, it's tough. Gosh, it's it tough. Is, yeah. It's a, I mean, even being an employer, like, let's say I owned a company, I was trying to think of like, what could I do to help these people? Like what, what job could I give them? You know? Yeah, and like, absolutely. you don't realize how much your eyes are, are so important to, to your day to day activities. Right. And so, yeah, it's it's yeah. interesting too because I've often uh, I found myself wishing and like sometimes longing for being blackout blind. I I actually find that um, it's kind of like a tease the certain particular vision loss that I have. So I've you know got no central vision. My peripheral vision works, um, but it's enough for me to look like I'm somewhat normal and function somewhat okay. But when it comes down to like like being completely independent or driving or kind of the actual f- being able to see what's in front of you circumstances. You can't see me at all. No. Well, I mean, I can understand you're there because of course I can look off another direction. I can see you out of my peripheral. So if you were to throw something at me reactionary, I'd be like, Oh, but I wouldn't be able to tell where, like if I, if you threw a ball at me, sure. I would be. But able when to you see. look at me, you're just looking at like what you feels me. Like you can't tell you're looking at me. Right. Okay. I mean, like, of course, you know, now I'm looking at you out of my peripheral because it's, like, down here. Okay. But my the dead spot, of course, is now up here. But if I look straight at you, yeah. Interesting, man. It's just not there. My uh, my doctor, actually, she was the one who, she, uh, she was so interested in my case notes that she's, like, she said she had been staying up. She couldn't handle the fact that my DNA test had come back negative. So she was the one that actually came up with that whole thought process behind the vancomycin antibiotic potentially damaging the optic nerve so she like i told her the you know she was like well tell me everything what has happened like to lead up to this point i'm like well here's everything and we got to talking about that particular incident and she was like well let me do some research and she found that there was a case of an optic neurosis uh as a side effect of vancomycin there had been other uh nerve damages from that particular um uh, antibiotic, but I don't think it had ever been visual. It would have always been like auditory or something like that. Hmm. But come to find out there wasn't a case of an optic neurosis from this and there's no way to prove it really, but yeah. Uh, wow. So pretty interesting. Well, with that said, would you like to try the last whiskey? Sounds great. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> All right. So this one is, um, the bourbon and vine. I believe the wood that's in it. Oh, I'm going to butcher this. I'm sorry, Oak and Eden. I'll get better at this. Keep sending bottles, and I'll get better at this. But um, I think it's it's in a wine barrel, maybe. I think the cork or the, the, the spear that's in the bottle has something to do with wine and toasted. Oh, I'm butchering this. I hope it tastes good. Sounds amazing. Let's go with there. Yeah, let's do it. This is the right way to do it right here. Hey, uh, here's to Dale and JB. Here's to right? Dale and JB. Oh, yeah. Whew. 
what do they say? Go in the full nine? Is that? I think so. <laughs> Is that what we're doing right, right I now? I think so. <laughs> yeah? You like it? You know, I don't think I've been disappointed with any of them. I don't think Maybe so. I'm a simpleton. I don't know. I don't, they're all, they all taste amazing. It's hard for me to discern. It all just tastes, just tastes like great whiskey. Yeah, they did good. They oh, did really yeah, good. They're all good. But yeah, uh, Cody's funny though. He'll, that dude, he, he's a, a very, uh, <laughs> he's just been one of the best friends I could have ever asked for, especially in the time that uh, we, we kind of came to know each other. Uh, Cody is, uh, if you guys don't know this, Taos's um, cousin, the Hayes family. They're kind of synonymous. I come to find out in the Oklahoma rodeo community. And um, Cody and his cousin, uh, Brant, started climbing at the climbing gym almost, I think it was the same day, one of the same days that I had first started going there. And Cody was climbing in his cowboy boots. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds I like Cody. Like, what are these boys doing? You yeah, know? well, we'll give Cody a, a couple minutes here because he totally deserves it. Cody is um, a cousin that's younger than me. And as far as um, all, I'm very blessed to have an amazing family. And he is no exception to that. He actually is the handful of guys that I could call right now yep. and tell him that. Um, I've got a mob outside my door, <laughs> and he would come choke slam some some people. Well, he so. would knock heads for sure. Oh, for sure. So he's got a he's got a side. In fact, I would um, I always say whenever people ever like ask if I'm a tough guy, I'm like, dude, I couldn't even be tough. The toughest guy at my own dinner table. You know what I mean? Like, uh, whenever you get Cody and Rance, you mentioned, and then my cousin oh, yeah. Chance, and then my brother as as laid back and quiet as he's a he's held or wreck so yeah. i've always been the like the cool guy because um uh they knew they could kick my ass and i knew it too <laughs> and uh so i've always talked my way out of it but yeah but cody has always got a special place in my heart because he is one of those guys that is just always there yeah. he's always called and checked on me no matter what i travel the world uh he's always hollering and now he's got a beautiful baby he's got a beautiful wife beautiful wife katie Katie, man, she's oh, cool, yeah. man. A volleyball okay. playing. She's out there like eight months pregnant playing volleyball. She's a crusher. Yeah, she dude. is just such an athlete, such a good human. Yep. Really value the advice we've got yep. from the two of them. So, yeah, just so, so then Cody, um, Cody, they had a baby. They have a baby, Dawson, yep. Dawson, Dawson Walt. Yep. <clears throat> and uh, but one thing cool about Cody, and you have to tell the listeners, he introduced you to somebody that wrote an article That's or right. something. Is yeah. that right? That's right. Cody, as you know, uh, a lot of you guys, I guess, wouldn't know this, but he likes to talk. He, he's a good talker. <laughs> yeah. Like one, uh, I was actually uh, one of the best men at his wedding, and uh, one of the stories that kind of kept going around about Cody was he'll call you, and uh, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, "What are you doing?" You know, like he's he's always looking to find something to do, and that was like one of the things that we got on well about was just like this this random adventures that you could just have in just the craziest ways. And uh, we were in uh, St. Louis uh, for a climbing competition. I wasn't competing in it. Another friend of mine was. We were all just there to support him. And Cody was like, well, I'll drive. And so we all just hopped in his car and went up there for a couple days. And uh, we were in St. Louis. None of us knew where we were. We were all like, let's get coffee. Cody had a little gift card to a coffee shop and we figured we would stop on the way and we got lost and Cody was refusing to use the GPS and it's just like, I'll find it. You know, it's just like, all right, well, we're just going to mosey around. 
And uh, we ended up at the Starbucks and we're uh, getting our coffee. And we, as we were walking in the front door, this girl came in behind us. And um, I hear Cody go, oh, you got a carabiner on your keychain. Uh, do you climb? And she was like, oh, no, I wish I used it for more than uh, just my keys. I've always thought climbing was interesting. And Cody slaps me on the back and he was like, well, this guy's a blind climber. If anyone can do it, this guy, you know, if, if, any, if this guy can do it, you can. <laughs> and, uh, she, uh, this girl thought that was just the most interesting thing. Um, and uh, she was like, oh, that's really interesting. And we just kind of went on about our ways. And uh, she came up to us after we had gotten our coffee and uh, she was like, hey, I'm uh, my name's Amy Mark scores. And, I'm, you know, I write for all these magazines here in St. Louis. Um, I've, I would love to do a piece on you while you're here. I thought your story was so fascinating. And all she knew was I was blind and I was a climber. Like, that's all she knew about me. And um, so we did like an hour long interview outside right before my buddy's climbing competition. And uh, that article ended up going on the Washington post. And that was like the first thing that I had ever, uh, po uh, that's the first like time I had ever been recognized really for my climbing. <laughs> it was all cause Cody. All cause of Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Just cause he was like, Oh, nice, I love it. nice carabiner. <laughs> I love it. And it made it to the Washington post. The Washington post. That's right. How cool, man. Yeah. It was, it was a good time. And you know, Cody's always been there to support me. You know, if I need some, you know, if I'm like struggling, like I feel like I can call on you guys for anything. And uh, there was one day we were uh, having a party. I think it was one of Cody's birthday parties. And um, I had always thought that like, you know, the Hayes family, like those are some tough, some bitches, you know, like that's just, I had met all you guys were just like, like this is, the, these guys are the real deal, you know? And uh, Cody one day, like, you know, he's always talking about how someone was tough. Like you are mentioning, you know, Cody, the, you know, you guys are all uh, tough old boys. And um, Cody one day, like, said, oh, yeah, my buddy Justin, this is one of the toughest guys I know. And I like that struck me like the, from that moment on, I was like, oh, OK, like this is a brother now. Like, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I, it felt it meant, it meant a lot to me that one of the toughest guys I knew would see me in that way. And I knew for Cody uh, saying something like, this is one of the toughest guys I know is a pretty big badge of honor, in my opinion. So it means a lot. So well, if you're listening, Cody, <laughs> that was a big moment for me, buddy. <laughs> well, he's awesome. We love you, Cody. Um, have you listened to the Elon Musk, Joe Rogan yeah, podcast? Yeah, man. I thought uh, that was really bit. interesting. Would you, he talks about some chip that you put in your head and it would fix things. Yeah, Neuralink. Yeah, would you do that? Oh man, maybe. <laughs> would you sign up for that? I don't know, like, I don't know what the side effects might be, but um, he talked specifically that it could replace vision. Yeah, that'd be interesting, huh? So if I'm not mistaken, it's like a little microchip and it has like all these little spaghetti, like, uh, diodes that kind of go into the different brain cortexes and it kind of like uses that microchip as the motherboard and kind of sends all the the information to the different parts of the brain so if they could bypass my optic nerve they could potentially fix my vision because it's not my eyes that are damaged it's the nerve itself so they just need to reconnect that link basically really yeah so it's a, it's it sounds simple but of course brain surgery is not simple <laughs> wow yeah, like, I wonder where we sign up. 
Yeah. So uh, <laughs> what did he say by 2021 or 22? Was yeah. it that he pretty would have soon? This, uh, like this could potentially be a real thing. The the thing about it is it, it worries me that there could potentially be like some security issues. Like what if let's say like uh, 1% of the entire United States or even 5% of the entire United States had Neuralink if someone hacked it and like got control of that. You're talking about like hundreds of thousands of people like hacked being controlled by somebody else. That kind of weirds me out a little bit. That's really interesting. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's going to be, like, security measures in place. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, like, where my mind goes. <laughs> uh, is it, like, Zoolander? What movie is it where they get... Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it would be fun. Would you do something like that? Hell no. You don't think so? Hell you no. Let anyone in your brain? We just got done talking about how tough my family is. <laughs> they took all my toughness, bro. I, I'm the biggest wimp. I jam my toe. I complain about it for two days. I don't oh, know. Don't, I've never had surgery. I've never oh, been, really? like, I've never been put sleep i've never nothing like that i wouldn't say you should go out of your way to experience it but yeah yeah hard, i suppose i would i was telling my dad the other day i'd like to get my nose fixed my nose is really jacked up oh um, really yeah like i don't know if you can see it but oh no man your looks are lost on me unfortunately yeah right here <laughs> blind guy can you see it no way. <laughs> no, that's, that, I mean, that's the nice thing for sure about being visually impaired. And you can't sense. tell. Yeah, exactly. No, like, um, I don't see the beautiful women when they walk down the street. I don't see the horrific side of someone that shouldn't be in a certain swimsuit or anything like that. You know, it's just like kind of lost in my yeah. Own world. Just love them for what they are. Exactly. That's great. No, no you're unbiased. It, it is good. Yeah, because you know, oftentimes I do feel like people are too caught up on the way that people. Their appearance means Ooh. too much to people, I think. Man, today's day and age. Yeah, yeah it for gets sure. Hard. Like, I know most of my friends off their voice, not, like, what they look like. And that's, like, important to me. How crazy is that? Never thought of it like that. Yeah, so kind of the with the today's day and age with the masks, I kind of feel like everyone's back to my playing field a bit. Like, the face doesn't matter as much. It's more about, like, who they are as a person and, like, you know, the voice. And so you said that you have a girlfriend. Like, yeah. can we talk about this? Like, back oh, when yeah. you were dating, uh, how did, did, did you, like, have a good buddy? Were you ever, like, hey, just, <laughs> like, is this a good one or not? You know? That like, has actually been a thing before. Like, really? Like, Cody and I at a bar or something like that. Like, hey, she's sitting on you. And I'm like, what do you think, dude? Like, should I go for it? And he's <laughs> like, yeah, yes or no, you know. Um, no, but, yeah, uh, whenever I, uh, Tammy is her name, whenever we first started dating, um, we had kind of known each other a little bit. We had met like four or five years ago at Horseshoe and she knew who I was. I knew who she was. She's pretty famous in the acrobatic community. Um, like I'm fairly well known in the climbing community. So we had heard, we had known about each other. And then one day we just reconnected. Uh, we hung out a little bit before, um, I went to color or no, excuse me. We were supposed to hang out before I went to Colorado, but then, um, she ended up coming out to Colorado for a climbing trip, like towards the end of it. And we just got to know each other through, I mean, we've been traveling together a lot now. So yeah, we just kind of got to know each other outside of Oklahoma. And uh, she's been really quick to pick up on all the uh, kind of support that I need. Like I say this a lot where I'm like, Oh, can I borrow your eyes <laughs> uh, for like receipts or credit card machines or um, just at any point really where I need to be able to, um, see what's going on. I'll just be like, hey, Taos, can I borrow your eyes for this like signature here or something like that? And you can just be like, it's right here, Bo. 
Rock on. Yeah, so she's cool. Yeah, she's she helps awesome. you out. Yeah, yeah, she's a really awesome person. So feel fortunate for sure. That's cool, man. What about you? I know you. Uh, uh, you're a man of exquisite <laughs> taste. <Yeah. laughs> man, I the reason I'm single is because uh, I don't want to cheat on my Instagram crush. Uh, okay. Yeah, she's. I yeah, that. man, she's she's something else, man, and. I've liked all her pictures. I'm just waiting for that follow back, okay, you know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um No, there's nobody. There's there's nobody like how does that saying go? There's nobody that I'm texting that could possibly ever be uh yeah. I don't I don't have any yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think it's by design. And I don't know if you're religious. We um I I am a Christian. Oddly enough, everybody's been pulled away from me at that. Like I've had, uh, even very recently, I had somebody that I was really interested in. I was really digging them, but, um, I think there's a reason why they've been pulled. I think, um, this is really a time to concentrate on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, put my, put, um, I'm putting myself out there. It takes a lot. It takes a lot more than I ever thought. Um, and I, I travel for work. Yeah. I just quit my corporate job. How did uh, that feel? It felt really good. Uh, okay, there's two sides to it. It did feel good, but I've worked my whole career to get that job. Yeah. And somebody is going to be very, very blessed and very grateful to have that job. So I don't want to ever come across that I'm arrogant or think I'm too good for the job. I just wasn't a good fit. I had stressed out so much that I was not sleeping. I had gotten shingles. I had gotten ulcers. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. Uh, when you manage... Whenever you've been given the responsibility for 600, 800 people's safety, the budget and schedule, and got to make it all happen, mm-hmm. um, it was a, to be honest, I was honest with myself. I wasn't qualified for the job, and I just told them before I really messed something up. So it, it wasn't, once I got past that, yeah, I enjoy. I, I'm glad I, I made a good choice. Yeah. Well, that must, must have been hard because I feel like a lot of the time people would let ego get in the way of that. How did you come to the point where you were able to make that call and say like, yeah, perhaps I don't have enough experience right now. I need to let someone else take over. That must've been a difficult choice. Cause you, you said you spent your whole life getting working up to the point where you could have this job. I feel like, you know, if someone were to offer me like the ultimate position as like an athlete for them or whatever, it would be so hard for me to be like, I'm not the right person for this. It was very difficult. And to tell you, I wasn't teary eyed whenever I made the call would be an absolute lie um, because I was very blessed and fortunate. Somebody, the man that hired me, uh, Todd, if you're out there and listen to this by chance, I mean, he believed in me and he did give me a badass role. Reminder, I don't have a college education. Uh, I worked from the very bottom. I rigged out a, I I became, I I started welding, rigged out a truck, then I became an inspector and then I became an API inspector auditing refineries, chemical plants, pipelines, tank farms, you name it, traveled for eight years. And I I gathered that experience enough. And then I got into project management. I'm a project managed for other companies and he, he really believed in me and I'll never forget that. And I'll never, um, take that for granted. But, uh, to answer your question, whenever I stopped enjoying it, uh, whenever I stopped, not even want, I, I didn't even want to do it. Like I dreaded getting up, man. I yeah. dreaded getting up. I dreaded getting, yeah, it's just so your dream job right. turned into a nightmare. Job. Yeah. It, it's, it's the equivalent of climbing a ladder to get to the top and realize you leaned it against the wrong building, wow. you know? And, 
uh, it did. It took a lot. It took a lot to go. This isn't good. Uh, I did talk. I did seek counsel from other people, yeah. you know, to kind of like help me. And uh, I had some go, hey, just it's the holidays. Like just ease through it and then let them know, you know, after the holiday, it's a tough time. COVID. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I was scared for my life, to be honest. Because I mean, I, I'm starting this podcast and, and the debt that I've accumulated, like, it was tough to leave, but it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And so I called and um, the boss at my time taught, he understood, uh, he is very professional and uh, yeah, it was tough, but now it's a good decision. I've, I've landed another job. I'm going to be in Minnesota. I leave after the first of the year. I'll be in Minnesota if that goes through for 10 months. Uh, this podcast is actually going to just go to audio because we can't be in the studio. Obviously I'll be in Minnesota, yeah. but we're going to do it through audio and uh, see how that goes. Honestly, um, most people are just listening to it through Apple or Spotify or wherever else. They're not even watching it on yeah. YouTube. Um, so, um, yeah, we'll just go to audio. But the thing that you're missing, if you're listening to this on audio, is how dope your studio is. <laughs> no. no one gets to appreciate that. Yeah, in fact, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and ask about podcasts. They're wanting to start their own, which I welcome everybody. I love the podcast world, and I think it's a place that we can all come and and be heard. I. If I was to give advice, um, this is cool. I love it, and it it might separate me from the rest. But I didn't realize how, and even me, I didn't even look at myself. Like I've never, I've maybe watched one or two episodes of Joe Rogan on YouTube. Yeah. I, maybe you know everything else has been. I've listened to hundreds of them, and it's all the audio. And so I really put a lot of my money and stuff right here. Whenever really I should have probably just been doing the audio first. Yeah. Um, but thank you for the compliment because I worked my <laughs> ass off. I actually took that wood down, uh, burnt it, and put it up and installed everything you see. So uh, with the help of my cousin Rance and awesome. I. Oh, shout out to uh, Rance Hayes. Yeah, man, yeah. Rance to Brock. So, um, yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, so thank you for the compliment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on the topic of advice, I'm I'm just curious on this is because I'm a, a bit of a philosophic thinker. So, um I find it interesting that, uh, you know, when seeking counsel and being able to, uh, you know, leave or walk away from your dream job, dream job, do you have any advice to anybody you would uh, be able to impart and um, kind of in the sense of how do you put ego aside? You've gotten to the place you've always wanted to, the pinnacle of where you want to be. How do you have the... Um, where does the mirror come in? Like, how do you how do you see introspectively, uh, and set us set the ego aside and make a decision like that? Well, it was pretty humbling for me because, like I'd mentioned, I was so unhappy. Yeah. So it that helped ego went away real quick, um, and I I did. I did feel like a failure because I had already been presented to this company, a big corporate Forbes 500 company as a very good project manager and I wasn't doing a very good job. So there was a lot of that, but I would have to say, um, one thing that, oh man, that's such a good question. Um, I just knew that I wasn't that type of person and it took me getting there to realize that. Yeah. And I think I finally came to the realization that, yeah, I could, I could get through this, 
but it was going to come at a cost and I was going to lose years. Like the, for instance, the project that I was overseeing was going to happen in 2022. So oh, wow. like all of 2021 was going to be me putting effort into this $70 million project that at the end of the day, I wasn't the man cut out for it. Yeah. Um, project management, man, you gotta, you're going to have a hard, like a lot of hard conversations and also in the corporate world, something that nobody really told me is, okay, so whenever you're growing up, your parents always tell you, you know, have morals, have standards. And whenever you believe in something, stand by it. Well, in the corporate world, it's a lot like the army. It's like, we're giving you orders to march up that hill and your whole platoon, like tell them, we're going to go up the hill. And you're like, well, I know we're going to die. And they're like, we don't, okay, like you missed the whole part where... um, we just told you to tell everybody behind you that go up the hill. We don't yeah. care that, you know, you don't worry about the result. And that's how corporate was for me. And I just sat there in those meetings going, oh, my gosh, I do not believe in this. I do not believe in the route we're going. And I, then at the end of the day, I had to enforce it. Hmm. Like it was like all these yeah. people making these decisions. And then it's like, okay, Taos, you got it. Yeah. And I'm like, sure, man. So then I had to be the guy that was walking around like telling people like, put your mask on and, and do oh, all this yeah. stuff. You know, it's like, uh, that was a big one. The COVID deal added a lot of pressure because, I imagine. yeah, it's cause you, you're having, you're doing an outage, a, a big product, pro, a project with on each shift, you have 300 to 400 people trying to do a job like that is not an easy job. It's right. very, very physically demanding. And you're walking around like while somebody's grunting it out over a bolt, you know, trying to detach something yep. or a valve or lift heavy. And you're like, hey, uh, sir, I don't know if you noticed today, but there's a virus and you need to remember <laughs> to put that mask on. You know, yeah, it just wasn't me. Yeah, it wasn't me. Um, and that's just one example, by the way. It's just um, I am a people person. I care about people, which is very odd to use the mask deal. But like um, because you would think like if you care about people, you'd want to put the mask on. But it's right. it's the morale. It killed yeah. the morale. It killed the whole thing. And then, um, you know, whenever you're in the corporate setting, you're looking to pinch pennies, and those pennies come from people's wages and things like that. It's just, ah, I wasn't cut out for it, and I realized it, and I was ready to move on, and it had to come. I mean, I went through some health issues, and mm-hmm. and uh, and finally just like, you know what? I hated it because I felt like I gave up. Yeah. But well, I mean, that's good. I mean, that's good advice, though. Like, you know, if you're listening, like you're unhappy with where you are, you have the ability to change it. You know, like you create your own future, you know, just so true. Just Um, because you're like, you know, unsure of whether or not you should do something like try and find that peace in your heart or in your gut, you know, like, is this the right decision or not? I think also we could go into parenting into this just because I want to give a shout out to my, my dad, especially and my mom, but I always had a place to go. So if that makes sense. And I always feel really, really bad for people that, um, you know, they don't may not, might not have a a solid foundation to fall back on. And for me, my parents did a great job of like, you know what? You can always come home. You always have a bed. Uh, they never made it out to be like, I could just mooch off of them. They were never good like that. But like, if things ever get bad, you always got a place to go. And so at the end of the day, I was like, huh, what's worse i'll go home and weld i'll build some fence for my dad you know uh so i i'm very lucky to have that and i'm very fortunate i think that's the if i was a parent and i look forward to being one one day that'll be my goal is like just so my kids know they are never ever 
put in a corner. <clears throat> and if they if they're unhappy with somewhere, it's okay. We they have a safe place to land right. to readjust. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, that's super important. I mean, like growing up, same for me, you know, like my parents like gave me such a, um, you know, despite all the turmoil that I went to, like they've been over backwards to really try and give me the tools that I needed to succeed in life, which I can't thank them enough for. You know, we didn't have a ton of money and I grew up with four siblings, so it was difficult to, you know, you know, the time could only go to so many different kids at one time, you know, so um, growing up in a big family was, uh, you know, it was the best of times and the worst of times sometimes. Uh, but, uh, you know, <gasps> having that support system of the families, uh, you know, I couldn't be more grateful for that. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know what I'd do without him because that was a big part of it. And, in, in those long talks with my dad before making the decision, because he knew, I mean, I spent eight to 10 years of my life trying to get there and, I was about to just turn it down. And so yeah. we had some long talks and that was the one thing that came out of it was he's like, son, no matter what you decide, nobody's going to be able to take us away from you. You always got a place to come home to. You always got a place to get back on your feet. And yep. so just do it. And it was really weighing on my heart. And I just, I pulled the trigger. That's awesome. And what's, what's crazy. And if you're listening to this, I just want to say, if you're in this position and I don't know if you've been in the same position, Justin, but, um, it always works out, dude. Like the minute I quit, the next day I had another job. I That's was so, so cool. worried. I was so worried I wasn't going to find another job. It's middle of COVID. Things are slow. The next day I had a call. You know, um, I think, I, th I think sometimes we build up in our mind something that is way. I don't know. I, I think we, we build it up to be something. It's really not. And yeah, I was very scared. And then I got a job offer like the next day. Oh, that's serendip so, just so serendipitous. Yeah, yeah, and not <laughs> planned at all. It was one phone call, called a buddy. I'm like, hey, I'm about to be unemployed. Like, do you got anything? And he's like, absolutely. And and so um, I just, I don't know, like I encourage people to don't ever feel stuck. You're not stuck, yep. you know, and, and get after it. They can't take your birthday away. Yeah, you know? so true. Just get after it. And yeah, and don't be willing to fail. I think... And we were just talking about this. Don't be willing to, or be willing to fail. Yeah, be, be willing, willing to fail. Like, and that we, were, we were talking about this at dinner, just like showing the process and being, be willing to like be humble enough to fail in front of people and not even in front of people, but more importantly, like be willing to fail to yourself. You know, like don't, we're all our own worst critics. I'm such a perfectionist. Like I spend so much time like trying to perfect like, how I climb this route perfectly. I hate watching the um, final, uh, like the uh, replays of the World Cups that I compete in because I'm like, oh, if only I would have put my foot there, like I could have sent or whatever. And that just doesn't, I mean, it's good to like see your, uh, your like your pitfalls. It kind of help, helps you hold up a mirror. Uh, nonetheless, it's not good to dwell, to dwell on it, you know, like, if you dwell on your failure so much, you're gonna not gonna want to fail. And fail failure is how we grow. You know, growth is uncomfortable. Uh, falling on the ground is uncomfortable, but you get up and you keep going. Um, and so that's like one thing that I've really uh, come to understand in life is this: that you know, growth as a person is what we aspire to do, but growth is not comfortable. Just like we experience growing pains in our body, you know, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations that are. Uh, new for you is how you grow. So, 
yeah, it's just kind of been my mantra lately. <laughs> <laughs> well, life's interesting and, and uh, it's not, it's not easy. It's not supposed to be, I don't think. I don't um, think so. I actually, uh, I think it was a book I was reading. Uh, one of the quotes was this person, uh, it was someone talking about another person. And I said, unfortunately, uh, actually, this was the Queen's Gambit. Um, uh, I'm a big chess player, and people had always been asking me, oh, have you watched the Queen's Gambit? Dude, it's a good show. It is good. Yeah. It was uh, her dad, I guess, was like a deadbeat. And he wasn't in the picture when she was little. And they were like, well, where's the father in the picture? And they said, oh, he was a victim of a burden-free life. And I thought that that verbiage was so interesting. He was a victim of a burden-free life. How? Uh, almost as though it's unnormal. It's um, counterintuitive or whatever word you want to say. Uh, to have a life that is easy, like, hmm. like it's an, uh, yeah, they almost painted it as though having a carefree life is a bad thing in that situation. I, I thought that was so fascinating because it's almost was almost as though they were um, suggesting that having burdens is what makes us human, like being a part of society and having a carer, like giving a damn about something is like what's important. I don't know. I just find, I found it that is. to be so interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and uh, do you listen to Jordan B. Peterson? Do you know who that is at I all? I don't believe so. No, I'll just show you, but he, he's about that. You got to have a name. You got to have a purpose Yeah. and you got to pick up this burden of life and have, res- take responsibility of it and march forward with it. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, yeah, it's so true. Did Dude, you get so into the Queen's Gambit? I did. I haven't finished it yet, so don't spoil it, man. But I like, I'm about three or four episodes in, and it's really good. I never thought, <clears throat> I never thought anybody could turn chess into something worth watching. Yeah. And damn it, if they did, it's so, yeah, it's interesting. It's blown. It, I mean, it's blown up, especially in the community, the chess community. I mean, I've been playing my entire life, but more seriously, I've been studying it like. Uh, theory and variations and tactics and strategy and stuff for about two years now um or maybe a year and a half um but i just thought it was so fascinating that they had all the real i mean it was all real chess like they had a grandmaster consult on like the moves and the openings and i think that just kind of being a bit of a chess nerd i real that was my favorite part <laughs> it's all real <laughs> I love it. And do you remember, I don't know why I connected so well, or I just, I think there's a lot to get out of just the guy in the basement. I think he's the janitor or something. Yeah, he's the, janitor. the mechanic or the janitor or whatever at, at the, um, what was she at? at the nun school? I'm, I think it was an orphanage. Orphanage. Thank yeah. you. I'm butchering that so bad. <laughs> but it, um, it was a church, if I'm not It mistaken. was like a church. Anyway, but he's in the basement and that's where he kind of brought her in and taught her and what a great just tip of the hat to um, people that give back, even when they aren't even in a place to. Yeah. Like he had every reason not to help her. Yeah, seemingly like in a destitute situation. <laughs> so cool. And I think that's what makes the world so great is there's something to learn from everybody. And I had a grandfather that preached that of, of you have to, you it's advantageous in life to treat the janitor 
just like you would the principal, you know, and um, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you never know who you're going to meet and meet, you know, and who's going to end up being who. Uh, Like there was a gentleman that I met in uh, the airport of St. Louis. I was on my way to D.C. And uh, this guy like heard my story. I was navigating the airport on my own, just kind of using people when I need to, to, hey, I need help getting to my flight. Can you take me to this place? This guy heard all this, came and sat down next to me. And we just got to talking. He ended up helping me through the rest of my connecting flights, bro. Like this guy was like just one in a million. Uh, he ended up taking me to my buddy and like giving me a hug on the way out. And uh, it's just so cool running into those people. Um, yeah, you never know who you're going to meet and, you know, respect everybody. And um, those people you could end up running into again. And they could be in a situation where it's, uh, you know, it's advantageous for you. And, you know, your impact on that person could, uh, you know, they could remember you and be like, oh, you're so-and-so. And, And, uh, (laughs) you know, I've actually been in situations where it was like that was the person interviewing me for like an athlete position. And um, it just so happened that they were, I had met them previously like a couple years ago at another separate event or like out at a crag or a boulder field or something like that. And uh, it was perfect because, you know, they were just like, you're an awesome person. I'm like, well, I try to, you know, um, you know, introduce myself the same to everybody, whether they be like some top level person at a company or just some homie that I made at a boulder. It's so true. I have a great example of this. I have a great friend named Trent and Trent and his wife, Kayla, introduced me to their good friends, Will and Chrissy. And um, we got to I got to hang out with them one evening and then. At Trent and Kayla's wedding, uh, Will and Chrissy were there, mm-hmm. and Will actually came up and said hi to me. And I remember I was busy; I was part of the wedding, um, and I, I remember saying hi to him. And I did want to have a discussion with him, yeah. but he was like, "Hey, I'll catch you later." But I never caught up with him. Trent, I hung out with Trent the other night, and he showed me that Will is like uh, was he was in the Forbes magazine. Forbes did a deal of successful. Successful people under thirty. Oh wow, years under old. thirty under thirty. Yeah, yeah. So come to find out, Will has pretty much reinvented uh, rocket fuel. No way. Yeah, and uh, so I messaged him, and it was just like, dude, congratulations for one. He's also newly engaged to Chrissy, so they're like this power couple that are amazing. That's so cool. And uh, I'm like shouting out right now just for you, Will, because um, I wish I would have had that conversation with him. You know, and it just goes to show you never know who anybody is. Because I just thought, you know, it's like Will's Will, and he's a great guy, and. It, and Chrissy is too. And, and, um, anyway, it's, it's beneficial to be nice to people because we'll come to find out is a badass. And he was in Forbes magazine and I wrote him and hopefully I'll get him here on this show. Um, but, um, just like what you're saying, be nice to everybody. And, uh, yeah, I kind of wish I would have definitely made more time at the wedding to yeah. go talk to Will because I, I would have known a little more of what he's up to, but yeah, I right. mean, I'm sure he'd appreciate you for, being intent on being a part of the wedding, you know? Yeah, well. I mean, that's a, you know, I'm not a big wedding guy, but I really enjoy, you know, being a part. Like, you know, when Cody asked me to be his best man, I was like, holy shit, of course, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Will, if you're listening to this, man, um, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't make time, but come hang out with us. <laughs> yeah, man, this is a place to be. Yeah. Props on recreating rocket fuel. Yeah, it's something crazy with 3D <laughs> printing and all kinds of cool stuff. That's so. really cool. Yeah, he's doing some cool stuff. But, That's um, awesome. 
but yeah, it is. It's it's being kind, always being kind. And, yeah, man. And um, no matter who anybody is, so. f- it's interesting. Do you find that the more that you travel, the more that you notice Oklahoma special and that kind of like, um, maybe it doesn't have to be just Oklahoma. Maybe it's a southern thing, but especially in Oklahoma, like I'll go out and I'll be like, I was in Boston a couple of years ago and. Everyone was saying, like, stop being so nice. You know, like, not everyone's, like, holding the door for everyone. I'm like, I'm a Southern boy. Like, this is what I do. And then I come home, and everyone's just like, oh, man, you know, like, welcome home, and good to see you, sir, and all these things. And I'm just like, yeah, Oklahoma is a special place for that. It's so interesting (laughs) that you say this because I'll be honest, the rodeo world and the cowboy world, I'd grown kind of bitter toward it. It didn't – it was something that I loved that didn't really love me back in a way. And so I – in my later teens in into college, I left the scene and I traveled. I got, I've, I've seen uh, a lot of places, Singapore, Thailand, Portugal, Spain, Ireland, uh, been, been quite a few places. <clears throat> and through those travels, I realized how special this place is. And let me tell you, if, if you're listening to this and this is like, if you think you got a bad around here, you think people are bad <laughs> around here, like you need to get out and oh, you yeah. need to travel. And I always say there's two types of people that appreciate the the Southern culture. Those that this is the only world they've known and those that have seen the world that come yeah. from here. And yeah. I am the latter. Like I come from this. At one time I thought I was better than this. I left. And then as you travel, you realize how special, yeah. special this place really is in, in this culture and how people really do care and they look you in the eyes. And I've always said that if you were to be stuck anywhere for the holidays, like this would be it because uh, like for Christmas or Thanksgiving, I bet your odds of finding a family that would gladly take you in and share a dinner and make you feel welcome and loved and, and let you know that you're valuable. It'd be right around here. Oh yeah. So, um, and that's what I hope to bring to this podcast is it's not about, you know, owning horses, having a ranch, running a farm, uh, having a cowboy hat, nothing like that. It's more of the cowboy spirit, which is um, just good grit, love people, do what needs to be done, ride into the storm, get bucked off, get back on again type people. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of the people that are probably watching this wouldn't have heard of me. I don't actually know. I've never really been in the rodeo community. I mean... I've grown up with it around me. Country music has always been on. You know, my grandparents were always kind of in that world. And I'm personally, I'm, I grew up actually kind of in the hood. Uh, I live in a part of uh, town that's, uh, there was, there's been drive-bys and home invasions and shootings and deaths. And I mean, as crazy as you can imagine. And uh, so I've always had this really interesting juxtaposition of living in Oklahoma and some of my friends uh, or into rodeo and I'm an, I'm a climber and I love rap music and techno and, but all of us somehow have found this like kinship. And I just think that's so cool. Like being able to be such good friends with people that are nothing like you, but like, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you're into, like having brothers and sisters that'll check in on you and, um, you know, it just kind of feels like family around here, which is just so valuable. Well, that's what it's all about. And when I named the podcast, I was really thinking of it like just a brand, like yeah. Red Bull, Cardigan Cowboy. I didn't realize it was going to 
throw me into the cowboy Western world, which I'm happy, and that's where I come from, and I do have some connections there, but you're the perfect example and kind of the first example on the show that, like, we're not just looking for people that own horses and have cowboy hats and things, although I love those people, and that's yeah. the people I come from, but we want to hear from other um, other people that of different walks of life, and you're such a great example of that, and you've done so well, and I hope you walk away from this just knowing that you are inspiring not only uh, from being impaired visually, but also your your hard work and the grit and the hard things that you've gone through. And the world is such a better place because you're here. And uh, oh man, I appreciate you yeah. saying that. It means a lot. Yeah. So thank you, uh, thank you for taking the time. And and um, is there anything else you want to cover? Man, uh, I guess keep a lookout for our documentary. Uh, okay, we'll be filming for the next. Uh, year or so uh the ifsc or the international federation of sport climbing has announced uh four competitions so i'll be going to hopefully if everything works out we've got to find the money for it somehow but uh, uh innsbruck austria is the first stop uh Briançon, france is the second then there's another one in the united states and then we'll be going to moscow russia for the world championships uh, so I'll, we'll be traveling a lot, uh, hopefully filming all that. I'll be in Vegas filming uh, for hopefully being the first paraclimber to do V12. Who knows? Um, yeah, just working hard, man. So just keep your eyes peeled for some new things. I'll be posting a lot to my YouTube channel. Um, and you guys can kind of keep up with what I'm doing at Vanga Salas on Instagram. And um Hopefully, I'll have a chance to come back on the show and we can catch up. Absolutely. We're promising everybody the first 100 episodes that <clears throat> we have, we're promising that they get to come back. So you're always welcome no oh, matter what. Sick, yeah. And um, yeah, what's how, what, uh, how do you find you on YouTube? What's it? Is yeah, it Justin? So if you just, uh, yeah, search Justin Salas, uh, J U S T I N and S A L A S, and it should uh, bring you to my channel. Cool. And you're sponsored by. Uh, yeah, right now I'm sponsored, uh, supporting uh, or being supported by Evolve and Fizzy Vantage, as well as some uh, other companies that, um, you know, just uh, float me some gear. So, yeah, really big shout out to Evolve and Fizzy Vantage, like those dudes of, uh, well, they're, you know, companies, but <laughs> I just feel so fortunate. Evolve is a big, uh, they're a climbing shoe company and big supporter for paraclimbing. Uh, they make uh, amputation or uh, prosthetics for climbers. So if you are missing a leg and you want to get into climbing, they actually make a foot that attaches to your prosthetic so you can have a climbing shoe on your prosthetic, which is really cool. Um, so they do a lot for the uh, disabled climbing world. And uh, Fizzy Vantage is a supplement company, and they've just been like um, – one of the biggest supporters of what I'm doing and uh pusher, one of the owners of a hold company has given me money to do competitions and Boulder denim and DMM. And I mean, I just could keep going. Like I just feel blessed to have these people in my life to uh, kind of keep the passion going, you know? Well, man, you're awesome. And if you're done, I say we just uh, hit, hit the off button and yeah, sip man. a little more whiskey. Sounds so. great to me. Justin, well, thanks thank for you. having me on the show. It's thank been you. A, it's been a blast. Absolutely, man. You're welcome back anytime. And thank you. And uh, yeah, let's let's figure out how to get you on a bull. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, thank you, brother. All right, man.